0: to uh, another episode of the podcast, and I'm here today. Uh, it's, it's a blizzard outside, it but uh, we're, we're cozy in here in the podcast room, uh, and I'm with, I'm with Dave Smith. So, uh, Dave, why don't you uh, just, for, for the sake of maybe somebody who's new and uh, maybe doesn't know you, uh, explain like, where you live, what you do, and uh, maybe a little bit of your
1: testimony of kind of how you got there. Great. Um, Well, this is like uh, coming home, because Angie and I spent uh, five years here at Kingswood. Yes. And the last year we were here was 2015, which happened to be the record snowfall year. I think there was 16 feet of snow. Right. This is is like a a little (laughs) dusting. Right. (laughs) So um, uh, Angie and I, my wife Angie, we've been married for 41 years, and uh, we live in Marion, Indiana. Uh, I just recently retired from Indiana Wesleyan as a professor of Bible, Uh, but now I get a great privilege because my call was originally to the local church. So what I get to do now, instead of being in a classroom preparing pastors for ministry, I'm going out into local churches, teaching laity how to read scripture, how to interpret scripture, and how to apply it to their lives so they become different people. So that's a great joy. That ministry is called True North. Um, And if you're interested in more info, um, I can give that to you and even give some of the podcast listeners ability to get to my website Yeah, and to, we actually offer several versions of the class at Kingswood and one of them, hear this word, (laughs) one of them is actually a free version for local churches. Okay, They can go in and take the full class and learn how to read scripture.
0: Right. And so... So the, the setting has changed, but the, but the passion for, uh, for Scripture is still the same. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It
1: is. Thanks yeah. for asking.
0: Yeah. yeah. And uh, give us a little bit of your testimony, your background, uh, how you get
1: into all this. Oh Wow. Um, <laughs> I could go back 41 years because uh, Angie was the first person to ever tell me about Jesus. Um, I, I, I'd heard the name. You know, it's, it's a part of uh, uh, um, American culture. But uh, I really didn't know any Christians until I met Angie. And she didn't tell me about Jesus as much as she showed me what Jesus looks like. And I became hungry, both uh, uh, for her as I was pursuing her as a girlfriend, but at the same time pursuing Jesus. And the two actually came together so wonderfully that the first time I ever took communion was on my wedding day. Okay, well, um, And then from there, um, I really thought that uh, um, we would just be lay people working in the local church. I was teaching a Sunday school class. And, uh, every week I would teach a different chapter of scripture. And so after doing that for five years, the Lord said, now it's time. Uh, I want you to go to Bible college. I went to a small school called at the time, Circleville Bible college, mm-hmm. which is now Ohio Christian university. That's where I went to begin the preparation, went to Asbury college, Asbury theological seminary, and then went into the local church and pastored for a number of years. Um, uh, and, uh, After about five or six years of pastoring, the Lord kind of asked me this question, would you like to pastor for the rest of your life, which would be a joy, or would you actually like to teach, um, which was an equal joy. It it wasn't like one was disobedient, the other was obedient. It was really a call to how do I want to play out my passions. And I decided along with Angie's uh, uh, approval, Yes, let's, let's try this teaching route. So I had to go and get more education. Uh, but that led me down this path to where, in the year 2000, I took a position at Indiana Wesleyan and taught there, which is a great joy because my first boss at Indiana Wesleyan was actually Steve Lennox, who's now the pastor of oh, Kingsville. okay, right, um, yeah. And so he helped uh, um, uh, prepare me to be a professor and taught there for five years. Uh, as a professor for five years and then Steve left to be the dean of the chapel and I actually took his position of the chair of the School of Theology and Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan. So I've had this kind of play back and forth between love for the church, love for teaching, and love um, as an administrator to facilitate other professors to be better at what they do. Uh, But now um, one of the things I do, I think I just mentioned this, is uh, I'm what's called a circuit rider for the crossroads district of the wesleyan church which means i get to love on pastors so every other week angie and i would be going into a local church in the crossroads district which is uh, in indiana um and preach there teach there um, um encourage the pastors do right. whatever so you, get, I you get
0: to be a pastor to the pastors yeah. basically yeah yeah,
1: yeah. so it, it, it's i get the best of so it's funny i thought i was going to either have to teach or preach and now the Lord said, "Hey, you get to do both. In right, my in my right, kingdom, right. I can make you flourish. Right. <laughs> and so that's where I am right now. Like, okay, great. And
0: uh, talk a little bit about your time here at Kingswood, because I know you're you're here to do uh, kind of a lecture series uh, with our students this week. And uh, and uh, I I had the privilege of working with you for a few years there. Yeah. And uh, I and I I still here. I was recently at the gathering and talking to a lot of former students and I still hear like your name comes up when they when they talk about somebody who really encouraged them and paid mm. attention to them and poured into them.
1: That's kind. Thanks, Mike. Um, yeah, Angie and I moved here in 2010 um, and we were here for five years. I was just telling Kirk Saban, just had a cup of coffee with Kirk Saban, and uh, I said those five years in ministry I believe were um, for me, the most enriching. And the reason being is the faculty. Um, now, I want you to take this personally. Okay. I mean that. Right. <laughs> but uh, I've worked with a lot of fact- faculty over the years. And very often, faculty can kind of set their, uh, their roots deep and saying, don't mess with my curriculum. But when I came here, I kind of gave you guys a phrase. And I said, guys, you are the curriculum. It's, it's not what you write. It's who you are. Um, and In the first year that I was here, um, we kind of did a total rewrite of the curriculum because nobody took territorial, um, there were no turf wars. It was the curriculum was for the students, and uh, it was the greatest experience I've ever had. Uh, and then for the next four years, we got to play that curriculum out, including building a master's program with Ken Gable. I mean, it was a, it was a wonderful opportunity. I honestly believe that we got more done in five years than I've done in the other 20 years that I've been other places. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so now, uh, as you're, uh, you, you're, you've got a few different roles. So tell us about some of the other
1: things you're involved in along with, uh, well, as of, daughter. um, September, um, of, of this year, I, that was the beginning of my retirement. So I officially right. retired. So at the time, I was traveling around um, two weekends a month for True North into local churches, spending an entire weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, teaching people how to read scripture. Um, But then I was also going out as a circuit rider for Mark Gorvette, who's the DS for the Crossroads District, um, and then teaching. And Angie said, something's got to go. You can't be out every weekend and then teaching uh, five days a week. And so I kind of asked her one day, what would it be like if I actually gave up my paying job? Um, and the Lord con- conferred, or reconferred conferred with the Lord, and he just seemed to say this is the time to give that up um, and to travel around and, and serve the local churches. So that's primarily what we're doing. So uh, pastoring pastors uh, every other week, and then the uh, opposing weeks we're working with the laity on how to read scripture. Um, and uh, trying to keep, if you will, my my hands in the fire with former students. So I often have conversations, I'll call them coffee calls, uh, with former students, probably uh, a dozen of them, uh, over the course of every other week. So I keep in touch with pastors, um, talk to them about how Scripture is being ingrained both into their life, but also into their ministry.
0: Yeah, talk about the importance of, uh, of scripture, because if I think of anything right now that uh, is, like discipleship in the church is an issue, our culture has kind of gone off the rails in a lot of ways morally, and, and I see that all connected with, with uh, you know, the, the disconnection from scripture. So,
1: Yeah, um, I think that's a very true observation. Um, and pastors are asking me again and again as they, they kind of know what series they're going to be preaching, but they'll just simply ask the, the question, so what biblical text would best teach this? And over the course of an hour conversation, I'll help pastors kind of move through sermon series they're preaching, what passages to work on, what ties together, and how the theme is, Mike, you know me well, I, I'm not a proof texter, meaning to pull a passage out and make it mean what I want it to mean. I try to help pastors read the text into the larger context, so maybe the whole book of John, maybe the whole Pentateuch of Genesis through um, Deuteronomy, but how do they end up allowing scripture to speak into the situation, rather than take a Bible and beat somebody over the head? I want God to infuse his word into the hearts of pastors so when they speak, people hear God speak, not somebody saying, just behave better. I want God to do the transformation of people's hearts and, and not us. If if people just simply want to please us, um, that's not the right way to go about to being transformed. You're transformed as the very spirit of Christ comes in you uh, and we become like and so that's, that's what I'm trying to do for, for pastors.
0: Yeah, so we're, we're, we're part of the original trans movement, uh, transformation. <laughs> there we uh, go. <laughs> uh, oh, very good. We're, we're, you know, like in Romans where it says, you know, be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that, just that, you know, the deeper we get scripture uh, inside of our hearts and minds, that there's a transforming work that, yeah. that happens there that you can't really manufacture or duplicate. You know, kind of
1: any other any other way. I don't. Think. You can do behavior modification, right? Yeah, sin management. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's exactly right. So that sounds just like Dallas Willow. <laughs> right. um, you can manage your sins, um, or you can be transformed so that sin is no longer dominant in your life, um, and that's part of what we'll be talking about this week.
0: Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, so uh, how do you how do how does how do you get the the average person going to a local church how do you get how does someone get them excited about scripture and into scripture do you think
1: oh great question (laughs) um one of them is by being a contagion or being a virus yourself right right Um, that if and i don't mean might just be more excited as you talk about scripture but truly be excited about scripture um i was reading a stat this is an american stat not Canadian but the american bible so ours is probably worse (laughs) than i wasn't going to say such a dear thing but uh um in the american church over the last three years so over the covid right um 26 million americans have stopped reading the bible at all okay um that's a frightening thought that that huge percent would just say somehow this is irrelevant to my life um so, first of all, it's got to begin with us that not only do I say it's relevant, I demonstrate that. So, um, I I give a couple of dates to people. One is 1227, the other is 1553. 1227 is when a man by the name of Stephanus actually put the chapter divisions in the Bible. Most people would actually think that the Apostle Paul put them in there. Right. Maybe Mark, maybe John. But... When when he was writing the King James Version? (laughs) That's right. Yes, in Elizabethan English, no less. Um, But the Bible was designed to be read of books as a whole, not just uh, a devotional chapter moment that we might say, okay, today I'm going to read Mark chapter 1, tomorrow Mark chapter 2, the next day Mark chapter 3. The book, or the, the author, Mark, designed his book to be read as a whole paul did that with romans Um, he did that with ephesians even a small book like philemon they're meant to be read as a whole and so for people to get excited about scripture what i want to try to teach them don't take the scripture out of context read it in context so as much as american bible reading went down netflix exploded Mm -hmm. people are binge watching it they can't go anywhere so they binge watch i just want to offer people just the thought what would it be like if i actually binge read the book of ephesians what if what if for a week i read the whole book of ephesians once a day for a week would i become a different person you would hear paul different you would hear his love for the church different and love for the change in people's hearts differently so part of this enthusiasm is to help them understand what the larger context of a book actually looks like yeah
0: I, I don't know if you've uh, if you're familiar with the chosen if you watch the chosen yeah, at yeah. all but one of their uh, one of their one of their themes one of their kind of hashtags is binge Jesus uh, and it's, it's kind of perfect what you say kind of reminded me of that uh, that just that idea of You know, we can can binge on a lot of things, and so... And we do. uh, Yeah, and we do, and it's our choice uh, what we binge on. But if you're going to binge on anything, uh, like binge on Jesus, binge on the scripture, binge on something that's going to help you to become a better
1: person in the end, rather than just Um, entertain you. I have a basic presupposition about transformation or discipleship, is that we are being discipled 24-7. Right. Somehow we think discipleship is just the spiritual aspect of our life. Right. But Hollywood is discipling right. us, CNN, Fox News, yeah. wh- whatever outlet it is, okay. Facebook. I mean, Facebook's basic agenda is to get you too addicted to their platform. Right. That's what they want. You're being discipled. Um, and so I'm just asking people in local churches, could you give Jesus a chance? I'm not asking for equal billing. Right. If you do a quick Google search, I did it a couple of months ago in the U.S. Again, Canadians are going to be a little bit different. But in the U.S., the average television was on 5.1 hours every day, every day, five hours.
0: I'm surprised it's not more. To tell you the
1: truth. Well, that does not include <laughs> that does not include uh, the, right, right. the the dual the, the other, dual, the other the screens. screens points, yeah, right, yeah. scrolling while you're watching TV. Right, right, So it's as a matter of fact, uh, Gen Zers, it's even worse with the phone. They're they're on the phone close to eight hours. Yeah, they, they're day. not
0: watching a lot of TV. They're watching no, other yeah. screens. But,
1: but yeah, other screens. Yeah. Um, and so give Jesus a chance. So what I'm asking is, what, it, what would it be like if you actually read or listen to scripture on version? you can have it read to you. Some people that are not good readers of scripture, you can get overwhelmed when you're reading through and can't pronounce half of the names in the Bible. Let somebody else do that. So what would it be like if for one hour, I'm just asking one hour a day, if you would just sit and listen to scripture, what would you be like at the end of the next year? Um, or you can sit and binge watch Netflix and I know what you're gonna be like at right. the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I have been so wondrously overwhelmed by people writing to me of what it's like after one month of just simply listening to Jesus give his interpretation of what the world can look like if we live kingdom lives. Yeah, I
0: have a, I have a theory that uh, a thearchy is the is the, the rule of God, and, and I think we would need less therapy if we had Ooh, more. That, we is had more, more that, thearchy, that is good. More thearchy, right? Like if we if we really listen to God and let and let Him rule, uh, it, you know it take, that takes care of a lot of other a lot of things we have to deal with in other ways.
1: Yeah. We often think the best thing we can do for our life is therapy or Prozac. That, right. That'll right, take care right. of all of our problems. Yeah. Um, let's give Jesus a chance and what is it like for the spirit to come upon somebody and to truly cleanse their heart and mind Right. and uh, I, I had somebody say to me, you're just too optimistic and here was the question, I'm going to ask this question in the Kingswood Chapel beginning tomorrow tomorrow morning what is it about the work of Jesus that is inadequate to take care of your sin problem
0: right. what does it mean, right. has yeah. not done
1: that yeah. you need for him to do Right. Um, uh, if we can give Jesus a chance, uh, maybe we can recover some of those 26 million Americans who have said the word just isn't relevant to my life.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, God has God has given us a counselor <laughs> uh, in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> there we and, go. Uh, and I nothing against nothing against you know sometimes it's good to talk things out with other people. Nothing against counseling, but I think sometimes we. We, we we go to other counselors for a second opinion because we don't like yeah. what what God is saying really? saying to us That's right? right and so That's right. so we're all in counseling one way or the other but you know it's it's uh, uh, yeah I think uh, there's there's just a lot to be to be said for for some of those uh, some of those old school things uh, those old school discipleship things if we, if we really give them a chance they really
1: work they you really know one do. of the things that um, I know be talking about this as well this week Um, getting together in wesley style bands where we're allowing people to ask us hard questions how is it with your soul mike are you being faithful to your wife to your calling is there anything about your life that needs to be um, held up to the light to be transformed we don't like to have those hard questions asked but it's really the only way that we go about going through transformation when people are holding us accountable. So I wanna make my life in submission to God, but I also wanna put it in submission to other people who can see me and say, Dave, I, I just see these flaws in your life that I don't, I don't think you want to allow to continue. Um, I'm hoping and praying that there can be, if you will, a revival of the Wesley style, not just, not just small groups that gather together for fellowship, but bands that gather together, gather together for transformation, and people asking one another the deep questions of faith: Do you really want to become like Jesus, or is second-class Christianity okay for you? They're okay, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah.
0: I was uh, I was at a ministry the other day uh, up in up in Moncton, uh, New Brunswick, and I was chatting with a a leader. We had some mutual friends, but we had never really talked before. And uh, he he basically described. You know, he said like. Two years ago, I, I, I became involved in this group, and, and then what he described was basically the Wesley bands, yeah. uh, and, and he basically said, it, it has changed my life, this is the first time in my life where I've had people every week, they're asking me very pointed questions, uh, and it's just really helping me like, to stay grounded and to stay faithful.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, you, you, This sounds funny. But when you know that you're going to be having, I'll say, a weekly band meeting. Right. John Wesley said, once a week is what we want. If you know you're going to have that weekly band meeting, and if I know you're going to ask me these hard questions, and then the follow-up question is, now, Dave, are you lying to me about this? Right. If I know that's going to be the follow-up, it will help me resist temptation on Tuesday. If I know Thursday, you're going to be asking me these hard questions. Yes, it will. Yeah. So, I mean, the accountability is not just in that moment, but it's all week long.
0: Right, yeah, and I think you know that you know that age-old question of does God work you know from the inside out or the outside in. I think the the answer to that is yes. Yes. (laughs) It's like it works completely. It works both ways. Completely. And usually people try you know they lean to one side or the other, but uh, but yeah, it's been my experience that it's it's helpful sometimes to have uh, to have external. Uh, external pressures on you as well as as just the intrinsic motivation. John Wesley calls
1: that that one of the means of grace. This is a funny funny title he gives. He calls it Christian conferencing. It doesn't mean you went down to the gathering in Orlando and had a conference. It means that brothers and sisters got together and talked about the kingdom of God coming in their lives. Um, That's a means of grace. In other words, during that band meeting, God is present as well. It's not just two, two men standing or sitting, talking. It is um, a third person. If you know, in a Passover meal, the, the uh, Jewish practitioners would actually have an empty seat. They would have one for Elijah to right, come. Right. And I love in a band meeting to have that empty seat and to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to govern what is going on there. But it gives us that opportunity to allow God to move in our lives through other people, because I, I need people that speak into my life truth truthfully, but also not to help me rationalize my sin. I mean, I had somebody tell me the other day um, they sinned, and then their follow-up response, well, well that was just me being human. I, I said, no, no, wait a minute, you mean human like Adam or human like Jesus? Wh- right, which right, one? Right. So you're telling me that your humanity is what caused you to sin. No, what caused you to sin is you're an idol worshiper. You are worshiping somebody other than God, and you've put the forces of evil on the throne. Yeah, because sin is actually satanic. If you really look at it biblically, it is, it is. not
0: is not a human thing. That's right. Uh, it is uh, it is a satanic thing, and it and it uh, it leads us to bad places for Always. sure. Oh, <laughs> it has its Always. pleasures for a season, but it leads us to bad places. Yeah. So if you uh just kind of kind of wrapping things up here, if you uh if you had like one thing you could communicate to pastors or leaders uh in in the times that we live in, uh what would what would it be? What would you what would wow. you say to encourage
1: them, Dave? Um I probably have a dozen things, but that's okay. Just pick, am, pick your top yeah, six I am, or whatever. I, I'm, I'm, a person of, I'm, I'm a person of words, and I don't. I don't want to do that. Um, live faithfully. Don't talk faithfully. Live faithfully. The best things that pastors can do is not just preach good sermons, but allow their lives to actually be the best sermon they ever preach. So, maybe. Uh, Maybe I would say this. The best way to demonstrate whether you're living faithfully or I am is to have your wife or my wife here on the podcast. Right. Having them tell, this is what I see at home. If you are not a covenant-keeping man at home, you're probably not going to be a very good pastor. You You may speak well, but uh, people will see a sense of hypocrisy and then go, well, that's just the pastor being human. Right. Um, If we could live faithfully, I really believe we can change our homes, we can change our churches, we can change our community. But if the power of God is not transforming our lives in the here and now, we really don't have much hope for the future. Um, so I think actually living the gospel, Let, me, let me, I'll, I'll put it to you this way, I'm, I'm, I'm a person, not just of words, but of the word. In the book of John, we are called to believe over and over and over again but the word believe is always and mike i rarely use the word always the word (laughs) always is a verb it's not a noun belief or faith it is a verb which means it is action that flows from what we believe so it's not just a cognitive sense of i believe that jesus is lord show it to me in your life yeah it's like, like i'm gonna bet my life on this yes. that's exactly what it is yeah, yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact i'm not just gonna bet my life i'm gonna die right i'm gonna to die to what jesus died for and allowed him to resurrect me so if there were words that i would give to a pastor it would be live this live this so other people can see it and give glory to god
0: Hey, thanks for taking the time to to share today, Dave. Thanks, and, Mike. Uh, it's been it's been really good. This is and, a thrill. It's great yeah. to be here with yeah. you again. <laughs> awesome. All right, well, I'll uh, turn it off and we'll edit edit some things you.